Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat where we will look back on another dramatic late win for Plymouth Argyle, this time against Rotherham United. Joining me to discuss all things green is our Argyle expert, uh, Jack Ball. It's <laughs> just about you who I was. Not used to not saying Chris Harrington first, are yeah, you? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no Chris this week, so... Um, just the two of us again. Yeah, that's completely threw me. No, um, I'm, I'm glad after working for four years, you've got my name stuck in your head. In the end, it's just that weird spelling that gets me, Jack. That's <laughs> um, you were at the game on Saturday then, Jack. Um, no doubt you were very happy with the result, and it keeps our goals dream of making the playoffs alive. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Even though it was quite a positive performance against Rochdale, um, we only drew 1-1, but... In terms of the front three, it was a very positive performance. Joel Grant, Ruben Limbus and Graham Carey played the best I've seen them play as a trio in that game. They created quite a lot of chances and could be considered quite unlucky not to go into the half-time break 2 or 3-0 up. Um, I was wondering how they would carry that on going into a game against Rotherham, who are a team that don't really have anything to play for, but I'm pretty sure that Paul Warren wouldn't want to come back down to Plymouth for the playoffs if he can help it. It's a long trip, which he mentioned in his um, post-match comments, um, but the, the trio did fantastically well again. You know, it's... I said to Chris on Saturday, it must be so hard to defend against because Grant, Lemiris and Kerry, they're so interchangeable. They don't stay in the same position for long. And you can't man-mark that because if you man-mark that, your, your defenders are going to be all over the oh, shop and not really yeah. knowing you, your right-back's going to suddenly be on the left and, and vice versa. But it was a huge result, you know, one that I wasn't really expecting if, if people pushed me in the press box before the game and I didn't think Rotherham were going to win. You know, without Ryan Taylor and all the other injuries as well, I just thought it would be a, a Rotherham win. But our goal dug deep and yeah like you said it keeps the, the dreams of a playoff place alive got to give Derek Adams a lot of credit really I mean you know this time last week we were talking about the game up at Rochdale and how he was going to go into it without mm. Ryan Taylor obviously he's changed it slightly by moving Joel Grant who had played as the central striker and, and it seems like Lemires is kind of starting there but as you say they're interchanging yeah. so much now it's hard for the defenders to pick them up so credit to Derek Adams, really, for finding a solution to what was becoming a bit of an issue for Prague. For me, this is where Derek Adams is earning his money because I don't know if many managers in League One could be getting the results that they're getting with the team that Argyle have got. And that's not me being disrespectful to Argyle. I just think there are some big names in that league. Um, and on paper, there's no way that Argyle should be higher than Peterborough. There's no way they should be beating teams like Rotherham and Blackburn, which they beat in this season, who have got big spending power behind them. And... You know, when you're comparing like Marriott to Joel Grant or Ruben Lemiris even in that position, it, they just don't mar- marry up. So the fact that Derek Adams has been able to find a way for these three to work so well together, I think it's been a great credit to him because it's easy when things are going well to be a manager, I'd imagine. It's when, when potentially the fans are getting a bit nervy and people accuse the club of the wheels starting to come off. You know, that's been thrown about in many seasons um, that I've been a fan and covering our goal for, for, for the Herald. So that's when you earn your money and he's done very well to find a way that works with that front three because against Northampton we could have been playing still to this day I don't think they would have scored a goal the way that game was going and he's not brought anyone new in he's had a bit more time to work on the system all the players have had time to get Joel Grant into those three a bit more and it's definitely worked but like I said I don't think there are many managers that could do what Derek Holmes is doing with that front three to be honest and I think he deserves a lot of credit for that yeah I think you make a good point there you know, when you think back to when Ryan Taylor got injured, obviously he got injured on the on the day before the Portsmouth game. Yeah. Argyle had no time to work on a new system, a new formation, so it was just a case of, right, Joel, go up front and try and do a job for us. But there seems to have been that evolution, you know, they've worked on it in in training and, you know, obviously the more they work on it, the more they play together, the more familiar they get with each other and it seems to be reaping the rewards now. Yes, it's quite hard to judge them when they're thrown into it in the yeah, last exactly. because it's not just... 
<clears throat> a case of Ryan Taylor not being there and Joel Grant being there. It's a relationship that's been built up. It's a dynamic. You know, prior to Joel Grant's injury, Taylor could pick out a pass. He would know where he could he could preempt where Kerry was going to run, where Lemiris was going to run, and he was creating all sorts of problems. And he holds that central role. And there's not many players that can do that so well. And I think in years to come, we'll look back and uh, and remember the hard work that Ryan Taylor's done. But you've got to give Joel Grant praise because there were a decent number of fans that were not expecting much of him, that possibly been a bit critical of him earlier in the season. He had been out of the team for quite a few months before getting back into it, you know, playing very limited minutes. And he, first of all, he comes across as a nice guy when you speak to him. He, he seems very polite, very down to earth. But the two goals he's got in the last two games, I'm sure, doing the world of the world of good. And the fact is, the three of them have taken the pressure as a three rather than it all being on Joel Grant. Yeah. I think earlier in the season when Taylor was missing, there was so much pressure on Graham Carey's shoulders, really. There was no one else to really take that burden away. Jake Jervis didn't fit into that role. Nathan Blissett didn't really fit into that role well. And there's no way that Joel Grant's that type of player. So, so you're, But you're right. They've had more time to work on it, and that really is showing in the last few games. And it gives, I think, fans optimism going forward because... We've heard that Ryan Taylor's not going to be playing at all this season, even if I'll get into the playoffs. And you sort of sense there's a bit more of a, 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 an expectation where they can do something now. And I yeah. think before, fans, possibly players, I can't really speak for them, but possibly players were almost at a handicap to begin with because they knew they, weren't, they were without Ryan Taylor. Yeah, and maybe the players as well. You know, The players realised that you know, Taylor was so integral to the way that they played. Now they're thinking, OK, we haven't got Ryan, we've got to get on and, and, get, and get the points ourselves. It's a, it's a totally new system, you know. When a manager recruits players in pre-season, I'm sure there's a, there's a set way you want to go and you have weeks but, and weeks and weeks and weeks to work yeah. on that. And I'm sure they wouldn't have worked on this. You know, Lemiris wasn't even in the team at the start of the season. Yeah. So this is a totally new system and they don't just have to work, they don't have time just to work on that. They've got other things to work on as well. You know, it's not just a case of that. There's, Games coming Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. So it's not like they've had a full week to really work on things or prepare for just one team. So it's a great credit to Derek Adams and the players and his staff that they managed to get away that didn't look possible at one point. It really didn't look like those two were going to gel and you were left wondering what they were going to do for the remaining games. It's almost like a new formation as well, you know. Instead of having one up front, it's 73 up front that are, as you say, interchanging and causing havoc. And that just can't be easy for the opposition manager to prepare against because you don't know who's going to play. And I think that's... It's quite interesting when when I got lost to Charlton. I think it was Lee Bowyer's first game, was it? If I remember yeah. rightly, and he was quite interesting. Talked after the game where he said he doesn't necessarily believe in managers that have just one system because yeah, every team right. plays differently, so you should approach it differently. And I think with this new current sort of loose formation, there's, there's that element of surprise. You yeah. never really know what you're going to get, and that can work in Argyle's favour. And the fact they got a result against Rotherham, who have been fantastic all season, they've got a decent budget, they've come down from the Championship, they're fighting to get back up. Like I said, they may have already had fourth place sealed, but speaking to Paul Warren after the game, he really wanted to win that game. Yeah, yeah. You know, he wants to go into the playoffs in good form. He wants players to be fit. And like I said, he doesn't want to be coming down to Plymouth again in the semi-finals. Who would want to make that journey? Yeah, true. If, if Argyle were to get Rotherham, I mean, are they the sort of team that you'd fancy Argyle playing against? Well, the cliche is you've got to be willing to beat anyone in these types of scenarios. Would Rotherham be my first choice? No. But saying that, Argyle got four points from them this season. So they've not lost in the two games they've played. Um, they're a good team, Rotherham. I think I would fancy Argos' chance against Shrewsbury because I think we've spoken about this Stu quite a yeah, bit. The, the mental side of it, you know, they've been up there all season. It's a bit like Accrington in League Two for the last few years. They've been so close time and time and time again. And I remember when they dropped out of the top three in League Two and they got into the playoffs and they just 
fell apart really. It was it was it was hard to see, and I'm sure it's hard for their fans. And I think Shrewsbury, who have done incredibly well to keep pace with Wigan and Blackburn for as long as they have this season, it'll be very tough for them to go into that game because yeah. I I don't think they'll be favourites. There's some there are some good teams in there on some quite good runs. Well, um, form goes out the window, doesn't it, when you get to the playoffs and it, you sort of look at. Well, I think the mental side comes out more yeah. rather than the form. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the, the teams that have finished the season strongly tend to be the ones that go on and, and do quite well. I so. mean, I can't recall many teams that have just missed out on the top two or top three in League Two and, and then going up. No, so I, 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 I wouldn't want to be Shrewsbury in that situation, to be honest. And I feel bad for saying it, but I don't want Shrewsbury to go up because I want Argyle to go up, obviously. <laughs> but if Argyle don't make the playoffs, I'll be, I'll be hoping Shrewsbury do it because it's hard. And, you know, you saw, I remember York a few years ago in League Two. They narrowly missed out after a great season in League Two. And then the season after they were relegated and then they were relegated again. So, you know, not many people think Shrewsbury will be back up there again this season. No. But you, you asked about Rotherham. I think you've got to be willing to play anyone. Rotherham will, to me, be the hardest team out of that category. Possibly Charlton as well on, on their day under Lee Bowyer. Um, but it'll certainly be a cracking time. The fans will be well up for any game. You know, no one would have expected this at the start of the season. No. And no one would have expected this in December when we were bottom of the table. So it's a nice problem to have, isn't it? That's right. But I mean, obviously, before we start talking about the playoffs, there's two massive games yeah. to come this week. So, you know, we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, just turning to some questions from uh, readers. Harry Miller, Argyle again showed great character. The match looked like ending in a draw before the penalty. This is the third time it has happened this season, and to me, it says a lot about the character of the team. A lot about the character of the team, and a lot about Graham Carey to set forward and, and score three penalties in the closing stages of a game. Well, there was a debate, I think, a few weeks on this podcast, as Graham Carey missed a few. Yeah. Do you want him to take it? And, and we all sort of said yes. You, we? Yeah, we said there's yeah. no one we'd rather have taking it. Somehow, the penalties he misses seem to be in games where it doesn't really matter too much. Good time to miss them. Yeah, exactly. You know, But when the pressure's on, he really... There's no one I'd rather have. I don't, I don't even know in League One, to be honest with you. He's a fantastic penalty taker. You know, you look at Newport last season in the FA Cup second yeah. round replay. Garita had missed one in the, in the, in the in injury time. Sorry, in extra time. And then um, Graham Carey got one. He stuck that away well. And again, there was huge pressure in this game because it, it made, such a, made such a difference to the Scunthorpe game on Tuesday. And Chris was speaking to Graham Carey after the game and he said, did that enter your mind? And he said, usually it does, but for some reason, for that penalty, it didn't. He didn't even think about the consequences. And you'd watch his penalty and they're, they're so nice to watch. They're not just hit and hope. They really are good penalties. Yeah, he placed it there perfectly, didn't he? And Harry I mean, asked about the character of the team. I wrote an opinion piece after the game um, on Saturday and they have just been a team that refused to give up. You know, they've faced a lot of adversity this year and whether no matter who you support, if you're looking at that story from the outside, it's quite incredible because they've had seven different goalkeepers, they've had injuries, and I know everyone gets injuries, but they've, I don't know how many times Derek Adams has put out his full-strength team, a handful of times this season. They had Ryan Taylor injured on the very first day, then they had Frailcoat injured a few games later. They didn't come back to late in the season. They've had Ness injured quite a lot, then they had Ryan Edwards' cancer diagnosis, then they had Sonny Bradley in hospital for a week. You know, all of these things, and it's incredible that they're keeping pace with some of the teams that they are. Um, and that, to me, yeah, it shows they've got great character and that can take you a long way in football, I think. You know, look at Blackpool when they got promoted to the Premier League. They didn't have star players compared to some of the teams, but they had that character. And team uh, spirit. And team spirit. And I spoke to Nathan Blissett um, a week or two ago now and he was saying that, you know, you need the other players around you. It's a close-knit group because you go a bit insane without them because you don't have your families around or a lot of players don't have their families around. So they've got a great character and a great closeness and I think that, that really does help them. Yeah. Adam Sharp, Graham Carey got my vote for Player of the Year. Do you think he is a deserving winner and who are your top three? 
You were there, Jack. I know Graham got the Herald Player of the Year. Um, what about the club ones? Were they? Yeah, as well? yeah. Graham Carey got that one as well. Um, it was the second time that Graham Carey had been given the Club Player of the Year, but the first time he's won the Herald Player of the Year. Um, I can't remember which one. He, it was Sonny Bradley won it last year, and yeah. Carl McHugh the year before. Um, so it's the first time Graham Carey's won the Herald one, and no one can say he's not deserving. I mean, he's the first player in League One to register double double numbers and both goals and assists. He is a driving force behind Argyle's team. He's fun to watch. He's the flair player. He can turn a dull game in, on its head with a moment of magic. We've seen some great goals. The one against Blackpool, which was nominated for goal of the season in, in League One. Um, so I can understand why Graham Carey got it. For me personally, Ryan Taylor just edged it for me. I think he would have been... The, that sounds a bit harsh on Graham Carey, but they've struggled so much about Ryan Taylor. He's just so, so pivotal to that team. And... I quite like the fact that he was reckoned, I think he was third in the Herald rankings behind David Fox. And I like the fact that two players who aren't necessarily fashionable, you know, Graham Carey scores goals, yeah. he's going to get a lot of plaudits. But David Fox, in, who was second, uh, plays in the defensive midfield hole. And that's, that's, not a, that's not a fancy position, you know, you do the hard work. And I'm glad that fans have noticed the work that he does. And the same for Ryan Taylor. He doesn't score a lot of goals. And in a few years' time, if people look back on his Argyle career, they might look at his appearances and goals and think, oh, he can't have been very good. But he's been fantastic and I'm glad that, again, Argyle fans have recognised his hard work and how much he means to the team. Yeah. Well, we've spoken about Ryan before and his similarities to Mickey Evans. You know, Mickey mm. Evans didn't get bags of goals, but of course his, his importance to the team was well documented. And you notice it more, as, as we're seeing with Taylor now, notice it more when they're not there. Well, I, that, that's when you notice the heart, how, how pivotal he is because he just he allows Kerry and Lemiris, as we said many times on this podcast, yeah. to express themselves. Um, it should also be worth mentioning that um, Zach Finer won the Young Player of the Year award for Argyle, not for the Herald, and um, Oscar Frelkard also won a community award. I can't remember exactly what one it was, but um, so they both were recognised yeah. as well. That's maybe a surprise with Viner. I mean, I know there's not too many young players in the Argyle team, but he's only been there since January. He's been a big part of their turnaround, so mm. there's not a lot of options. I think that's, you know, you look at Alex Fletcher, Cameron Sangster, not played much, Ryan Law, not played much. There's not... There's not much choice really. No, true. So I think Zach Viner, I think he won. I think they said over the tunnel he won by like seventy eight percent or something of the votes. Really? So um, I've said before, you know, off of this podcast. I mean, what an academy Bristol City must have. I've had some great players on loan from them in the past. We've had Joe Bryan, Bobby Reed, who apparently is close to sealing a move to Bournemouth. If, mm. if you believe some of what you read, um, and now Zach Viner's another one that's just come out of that Bristol City Academy, and you think. If they've got all these players, they would probably hold their own in like League 2 or League 1, wouldn't they? Yeah, so I think a lot of fans would like him back next season You know, to compete with Edwards and, and, and Bradley. So it, it was good for him to be recognised because he wasn't shortlisted for our award because he had only made, I think, 13 appearances and we had to draw the line somewhere. Um, but it's good that he was recognised for that. A lot of fans might well want him back, but judging by the way he's been playing, he, there's no reason why he can't go and push for a place at Bristol City. No, it Especially with the rumours of uh, Aidan Flint leaving. Yeah, but that, game that's quite the same. That wouldn't be unsurprising. Like I said, uh, Joe Bryant and Bobby Reed both went on to have good careers yeah. with Bristol City after the Argos spell, so it wouldn't surprise me if he was in Lee Johnson's plans. It depends what they do in, in the summer, how big their budget is. But if he is available, then I'm sure Argos would be interested, and I'm sure he would be interested as well. It's not a million miles away from Bristol, um, so it's, it's definitely an yeah. option, but you're quite right. You know, depend on what they do or what they don't do. He, he's he's going to be, I'm sure he'll be involved with them in pre season at least and give his, get his chance to yeah, try and impress Lee Johnson. You mentioned David Fox as a unsung hero. Another one is uh, Jamie Ness, of course. 
A question from Ryan who said, Jamie Ness has been a bit of an unsung hero. How much will he be missed and who do you think will replace him at Stunfield? Obviously, I mean, what happened there with uh, Jan Songo? A bit of a freak accident. No, it was Aaron Taylor Sinclair. Sorry, Aaron Taylor Sinclair. Jan Songo came on for Jamie Ness. Um, I can't can't really remember what was happening in the play. It was just before the penalty was given and uh, Jamie Ness, sorry, was running towards the grandstand and he just collided with Aaron Taylor Sinclair. Both ended up on a heap on the ground. Aaron Taylor Sinclair got up, Jim Ness didn't. Um, and, and then before you knew it, there was a penalty being given to Argo, so that was all going on at the same time. Um, but Ryan said Jimmy Ness has been a bit of an unsung hero, and yeah, he's, he's, he's quite right, I think. After his injury spell earlier in the season, I was saying to Chris, you know, he needs to get back playing if he wants the contract to be extended you yeah. know, beyond this season. And he, and he had huge shoes to fill, probably quite literally as well, with the, with the departure of Tumani Diagaraga who obviously went to Fleetwood, that wasn't an easy thing to do. We saw by the reaction that, that uh, Tumani got when he left, you know, how much of an yeah. impact he had um, on the team. And But Jamie Ness came in, he reminds me of a very old-fashioned style player. He makes challenges that you, you just don't see much these days, but he, he wins the ball so often he makes crunching challenges, the type of challenge that gets people up on their feet and really gets the fans going. He works hard, he runs constantly, he, if he loses the ball, he'll chase it until he wins it back. And... When things aren't going well, the one thing that fans will always appreciate is someone that runs and tries. And that, and there's, I don't think there's anyone in, in the team that tries more than Jamie Ness. Mm. Real shame that he's not going to be making his return to Scunthorpe, of course, on, uh, on Tuesday. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he would have liked to show them what they're yeah, missing. Absolutely. I'm sure he would have been up for that. Um, Who do you think will come in for him, then? I think Jan really Songo. I think yeah. Jan Songo. Place Jan Songo in front of the defenders, then have Fox a bit further forward with... Um, with Sasevic, but Sasevic isn't fully fit. He's playing a lot of games after coming back, and you're going to have um, I don't know whether Payton's going to be available or not, but you're going to have maybe Sankster on the bench, and he might get a chance. And Dan Rooney as well, who's been yeah. involved recently. But I think Songo, I'm not a fan of Songo as a centre back, but I'm a fan of him in a defensive midfield position. I think that's a better position for him. If people run at him with pace, there are people behind in the defence to protect, so he's not going to be caught out so much. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel too uncomfortable with Songo getting his chance. He's, he's done a decent job this season. But it's very much a case of bare bones at the moment. Yeah, you know? absolutely. There's not a lot of options. So I, I just can't imagine a situation where you throw Damarine to make his first appearance in a game of such importance. Um, or, or, indeed, Sangster, when there is Songo there, who I think, in that type of game, could be quite a, quite a formidable force. And he will add something to... You know, getting on the end of free kicks and corners yeah. as well, which could could be useful. I was going to say, you'd imagine Derek Adams would go into that game wanting to keep it tight for as long as possible and try and get. I mean, we've seen that a million times before under under Derek Adams. You know, defending well and hitting teams on the counter attack in last season as well. Songo played that pivotal role just in front of the back four. Yeah, so de- it's definitely, it's definitely an option. But what I would say is as well, is Sangster and Rooney will probably get the chance to come on as a sub at some point. Yeah. You know, Sarsavik, I don't think he's completed ninety minutes yet. They're playing a lot of games. Songo hasn't played a lot of minutes recently, so they could well get their chance. You know, may, it'll probably be off the bench, but yeah. you know, it'll be there for them to take. And if they impress, who knows what will happen? I mean, yeah. what a game to go into, though. You know, it's 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 what I'm sure young players dream of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, a question from Jamie: How big a loss will Ryan Taylor be if Argyle head into the playoffs? We've uh, pretty much yeah touched on that. Really, but obviously, what I would say is that I'm a bit more hopeful now after the last two games even against Rochdale the, mm. like I said the front three were very very good there's no denying that Ryan Taylor's a huge loss I don't think many teams could afford to lose someone of his importance no. but 
I'm going into the game, for example, tomorrow night with a bit more optimism than I had going into the Rochdale, sorry, the Rotherham game yeah. on Saturday. So um, Interesting as well that, you know, in, I think for the last 20 minutes or so against Rotherham with our goal, looking to get that goalie, Derek Adams put Sonny Bradley up front. Yeah, well, we've seen it a few times before. I remember Christian Timar going up front once or twice. I think it was under Paul Stoke in that, at that time. Um, Sonny has that, uh, he possesses that physicality, doesn't he, which you need in that sort of scenario. And uh, I remember I've seen a few people on, on social media asking whether you should do that on um, against Scunthorpe, you know, but I, I, a draw would be a worse, a worse result at Scunthorpe. It puts you two points away from Charlton, which takes away the possibilities of... Um, you know, if you win, they lose, you jump above them and it doesn't it takes goal difference out of it. But um, he, it's interesting. He's, def, he's not got the best shot on him. I've, I've seen him with a few shots before. They, they tend to go, uh, if you're behind the goal, you, you want to watch out for those. But he has that ability and it's good to see that Derek Adams was going for it when he did that. You know, fans, mm. you don't, if you're going to go out, you don't want to go out with a whimper. You want to go out trying and that's what they did. And it resulted, okay, not directly, but Argo's attacking presence resulted in the penalty that ended up mm. getting them that um that win on Saturday and that could end up being pivotal in their push for the playoffs. Absolutely. I mean Jeff Hitchings is saying, um, do you see this tactic used more regularly going forward now? Well I don't think he's gonna start up front. No, no. <laughs> but but chasing the goal though, I mean it's... if you're one 0 down with yeah. twenty minutes left on Tuesday then yes. If you're one one, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's the worst result in the world and a one one's better than throwing people up front and then conceding and go losing two one. This, these are the tough decisions a manager has to make, yeah. aren't they? But a draw for me wouldn't be the worst result. So if I got one 0 down with ten minutes left, then yes, I would I would do something like that. But I wouldn't. I would be a bit cautious to do it too soon in the game when when there's no need really. But Derek Adams, we we know Derek Adams is a smart man. Yeah. He's very he's very intelligent in terms of his his, his football knowledge, and and he and he's not going to throw him up front if he doesn't think it's going to be worth it. No, and I guess as well from Derek Adams' point of view, he wouldn't want to disrupt that defence too much because. You know, by and large, they've been defending pretty well all season, and, and Bradley and Viner have got a decent partnership going. Well, exactly. So that's the that's the only time he's going to go up front is is in last chance, sort of the last roll of the dice, isn't it? Yeah. Casper uh, Spooks, was it right or wrong of Derek Adams to not take part in the thank you lap at the end of the Rotherham game? Quite like that name, Casper Spooks. <laughs> uh, I wonder. I wonder if that's a real person. Or he's he's just uh, he's just made up that name. It's a frightening name. <laughs> <laughs> Hair raising. <laughs> was it right wrong for Derek Adams to take part in the thank you lap at the end of the Rotherham game? It's an interesting. I mean, it almost. Some people will say it's arrogance, but it just smacks of self confidence to me. Derek Adams is just so sure of his own ability and the the, the, the quality he has within the squad that he was like, no, I'm not going to do it now. I'll wait until we get to the playoffs. I guess there's two ways of looking at it. One way is that if I don't get into the playoffs, he won't get that chance to thank the fans, although he can do it via interviews, via the media. Yeah. Um, but I think that sort of thing rallies the fans. It rally, it would rally the Green Army. They'll like to see that. They like confidence. You know, what about the players as well? You know, if you're a player, you think, oh, he really fancies us to do this. Well, he, he's openly, he's, how do I say it? He might have egg on, egg on his face by doing something like this. But the fact that he's willing to do it, yeah, it gives it gives players the fact that he has a faith in them, which I'm sure they know anyway. Um, but it's something that I, I don't think a lot of people would like Derek Adams if you're against, you know, he's the manager against you. You know, like, like the way Steve Evans winds people up, I can yeah. imagine Derek Adams has that effect. But all Derek Adams cares about right now is Argyle fans, the Argyle team, and getting Argyle to the playoffs. And he's very good at sending out messages, and he's very good with um, making comments without making the comments, if that makes sense. He hints at things and lets people make up their own mind what he's saying, and he likes to wind people up. 
Um, and also, it's a message to Scunthorpe, I think, as well, on Tuesday, you know, whether or not they see it as one thing. But the fact that he's saying in his comments, you know, I'll do it when we get the playoff game, that to me says we're coming for you, Scunthorpe. And yeah. again, that's good going into that game. So, I've, right or wrong, that's that's opinion. There's no, there's no right answer to that. You know, people have their own views, but I think Derek Adams did it for the right reasons himself, but people will take that as they will. Yeah. Um, there was also some rather big news on Saturday as well. Um, well, well I can't remember if it was Saturday morning or late Friday night. Yeah, now, late Friday night. about Luke McCormick bringing the curtain down on his time with Argyle. Um, Joe Ryan, are you surprised that Luke McCormick will be leaving Argyle? And do you see him being given a coaching role at the club? In brief, no and no. I'm not, I'm not surprised to see him leaving because I don't think he was ever going to be first choice next season, in all honesty. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see Remy Matthews come back if he's not featuring with um, Norwich. <laughs> I have to remember which team is with. There's so many keepers, it's hard yeah. to know which ones come from where. But yeah, if, if, if Remy Matthews doesn't come from um, Norwich, then I'm sure Argyle will be interested. And if Luke McCormick is not going to be a number one, his wage is probably too high to be a number two. You've got mm. Carl Levin as a good number two. He's been a backup keeper for a lot of his career. You've got Michael Cooper as a number three and as the next big thing. So you've got your two and three sorted. So if Luke McCormick's not going to be your first choice next season, then his wages just aren't worth aren't worth it, really, are they? Because why would you want to waste... I'm sure he's going to be on good money. You know, he's the captain going into this season. Yeah. Um, so, that, so for that reason, doesn't surprise me. I think he's been struggling with his ankle quite a bit as well. He's also had his shoulder surgery. It'll be sad to see him go. And the saddest part of it is that he's not gone out whilst playing. I think he's been a great servant for the club. I think he's 19th or 20th in the all-time appearances list. Um, he was a part of the team that took our up to the Championship the first time round. It would be great if they managed to get up this time round so we could say he was part of it again. It was nice to see him saying goodbye to the fans on the, on the lap of honour on Saturday. He went in front of the Devonport end and they all started chanting his name. And you could see him wiping tears away with a scarf. You know, this club means a lot to him. It's given him his, his career, isn't it? It's given mm. him his whole footballing career. Um, in terms of being given a coaching role, I, I, I don't think so. I've... From what I can gather, he might want to play elsewhere. I would, I'd imagine if he didn't want to move too far, I can imagine somewhere like Truro possibly or Torquay might be a good fit. Um, but he's been a great servant for this club and I don't think there's many many Argyle fans that won't appreciate what he's done for the club and how much it's meant to him. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens now because you'd imagine, you know, I think he's, his partner lives in Willowcombe, didn't she? Yeah, they run a holiday yeah, business. So there. he's obviously settled in the West Country and there's obviously not too many options available can't seem going going up to Exeter <laughs> well, so. no, no that that's the thing you know but look, whatever he chooses to, to do I feel we'll be remembered fondly here and I'm, if he wants it I'm sure there'll be teams that will take him on he's, he's a good keeper there's no denying that mm. I just think that with our, what I've got aiming for now I think they'll be pushing in a different direction sadly and like I said it's just a shame he's gone out on a season where he's has, has so much in, so, so much injury but yeah. I'm sure he'll always be there for a helping hand if I ever do want his services as a coach if it's not under Adams you know who knows in a few years time it could be yeah uh, a question from Michael is the decision to let Luke go a reflection on how highly, highly Argyle rate Michael Cooper and do you think Adams will look to sign Remy Matthews permanently I think yes and yes to those two answers don't you I don't think they'll be able to sign him permanently. I think really? they'd like to, but they, he signed a new three-year deal, I think, a few months ago. Oh, was he? Or just before Christmas, it might have possibly been. So I think Norwich do have high hopes for him. Whether or not that'll be next season is another matter. If Argyle don't get promoted or don't get don't get the championship, it wouldn't surprise me there are a few championship clubs looking at Remy Matthews. He'll be possibly closer to home. So, you know, he's got a newborn baby. 
So, yeah, so that could work against Argyle, but I do think Argyle would want him maybe in another loan deal if that became available. I could be proved wrong, but I don't think that Norwich would be looking to let him go permanently. I don't see why they would have given him a three-year deal uh, just before Christmas if that was the case. Um, and, and yeah, I think they've got Leverin and Cooper as a second and third choice already. So I think there is high hopes for Cooper. Anyone that knows him, you know Danny Salmon, yeah. he's worked with him quite a lot in the, in the past and he highly rates him. Um, Remy Matthews has praised him and, and I remember before one of the Central League games, Chris Errington and, and myself were at a press conference and Chris asked him about him and he said he was surprised no one's ever asked him about Michael Cooper before but he said he's got a, such a great mentality about him. You know, he talks very, uh, very well. I think he comes from quite a good background um, and he talks about how De- David De Gea is his role model and how he studies what he does. He just seems to be very switched on. Yeah. He says all the right things and, you know, he could well get his chance next season at some point. And he's obviously highly rated within the industry as well because he's had these training camps with England, of course, hasn't yeah. he? So, yeah. you know, he's obviously well regarded within footballing circles. And It's just going to get a... You know, Michael Cooper said his aim is to push for a first-team place. Mm. At some well, that, that, I mean, that's interesting because you've mentioned Carl Leatherman a couple of times now and that, that you think he'll be the second choice next year. I mean, could it be that Argyle let him go as well and Cooper becomes the second choice? But then you'd have to find a third choice... I don't think Derek Hams would with, with no loan window now I don't think Derek Hams would go into um, only uh, two keepers with only two keepers so would you find a pro that would be willing to sit behind an 18 year old I'm not so sure um, <coughs> that said though I mean you know we've seen this year that if you have both your goalkeepers injured you can still go out and get the emergency loan and bring a keeper in well we definitely see that this year <laughs> but I don't think Derek Hams would want to do that again I'm sure he's lost more than a few sleepless nights uh, trying to think about goalkeepers I it's, think it's, it's a tricky one because if Cooper's a third choice goalkeeper he needs to be playing games, doesn't he, to get that experience now. So does he continue to play in the South Western League team? It wouldn't does surprise he sit on the bench? Does he go out on loan? Well, that's the thing. It wouldn't you surprise know, me to see him go out on loan. I think it all depends on what I'll go do in the summer, what league they're in. I think if we're in the Championship, Cooper might find it a bit harder to, to get first-team football and maybe a loan move will be good for him. I don't, I don't think it's good for anyone to sit on the bench for too long not playing games. I don't think that's helped the likes of Tyler Harvey in the past, River Allen. I don't think it's helped Lewis Rooney. I don't think it helps sitting on the bench and not playing first team football mm. um, especially when you're as highly rated as he is you know, well that's the thing it's going to get to a point where if I don't play him someone else will come in for him um, I'm sure of that because there have been scouts watching him he was fantastic in the FA Youth Cup this year yeah. I know he, Man City took note of how good he was against them um, so there have been a few teams I think Southampton being one of the ones that have been watching him which wouldn't be a surprise because Southampton seems to have scouts everywhere yeah. snapping up players left right and centre um, so I think it will get, will get to a stage at some point is if he's not looking like getting a chance in the champ, it, sorry, with Argo in the Championship or a League One, then he will look elsewhere, I'm sure of it. Because I'm sure there will be people that will snap him up. Look at Brighton, what they did with Christian Walton. You know, he's, he's had a lot of loan spells since moving to Brighton. And, you know, who knows? He, he's going to be pushing for a, a place up in the Championship next season. Maybe with Wigan, maybe with Brighton, Brighton in the Premier League, who knows? Yeah. So, looking forward then, obviously, a massive, massive game tomorrow night. Um, I imagine you, you as, speaking as a fan now, Jack, you must be relishing this opportunity. It's half and half. I'm still nervous, you know. it's Because it's so close. I mean, it's a nice situation to be in, yeah. but there's not a single fan of football, that, no matter what your circumstances, if you miss out on the playoffs when you've got a chance and it's in your own hands for two games left, there's going to be a disappointment. Yeah. You know, fans... You know, in, in a week or two after it's happened, if they miss out, they'll start to look back and think, yeah, that was a good season. But fans are allowed to live in the moment. They're allowed to be disappointed, you know. And it's, oh, I'm excited, but I'm very nervous as well. Yeah. You reckon there'll be many going up there, or do you think a lot will be... I think you'd want to be there. I, I know it's a long way to... get there, I think you'd go, wouldn't you? 
it's a long way to go on Tuesday night. I don't know how many yeah. fans have returned their tickets after the first game was called off. Let's hope there's no rain tomorrow because God knows what will happen if, if, if there's a problem again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, weeks don't get much bigger than this. It really, the whole, everything that I've done this season has come down to these two games. Yeah. And that's why that goal on Saturday was so big because it puts the power back in our goal's hands. Well, two wins and they've done it. Two wins and they've done it. And I, we were speaking in the press box on Saturday we think the Rochdale and the Scunthorpe postponements could end up costing our goal. You know, I, I strongly believe that if they'd been played when they were supposed to be played, our goal could have would have won against Rochdale and Scunthorpe on a much better form now than they were when the yeah. game was originally supposed yeah. to be played and our goal since lost Ryan Taylor. So I think Scunthorpe are in a much better position than our goal going into this game. Um, you know, just a few weeks ago when the original fixture was supposed to be, everyone was rolling Scunthorpe out of the playoffs. No one was even considering them, um, me included. But they've, I think they've won their last three games. They've beaten in five possibly, maybe more than that. So it'll be a tough game. It, will, it won't be easy. Mm. But I don't think they'll be looking forward to it and think it'll be a, a walk in the park either. You know, Argyle have still got a great record. I think they've only lost three games in 22, 23 maybe. Um, it's, Sky Sports will be delighted. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's got everything you want for a game, but I'd recommend not watching Sky Sports and going onto our live blog. M- m- much better, much better. <laughs> but, no, but do both. But, you know, it's... It, it's, it's what you play football for, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'm just relieved, really, that we're going into these two games without having to worry about relegation. You know, there are going to be teams like um, Rochdale, for example, who will be playing Charlton on the last game of the season, knowing that if they don't win that, or at least draw, possibly, that they'll be going down. Yeah. So yeah. it's a bit of a nice position to be in, but finishing seventh will be gutting. You know, that one, one position below the playoffs will be a bit hard to take. When you've been in that top six as well, and been in, a, in and out as Argyle happened in the last few weeks it's another cliche and I think you might be one of the people that say it really but it's better to have the points on the board than the games in yeah, hand totally and I certainly like the points on yeah, the board yeah. now because it is, it is tough but you know for any fans that are going up it's going to be 90 minutes of full emotion I think I think you're going to feel mm. the highs and the lows I don't think it's going to be dull it'll be no one else said that but. well we'll wait and see the interesting thing and you and I were talking about this earlier on of course um, was if Argyle happened to lose at Scunthorpe then they could go into the final game of the season where if they win and Charlton lose at Rochester, they end up on the same number of points, of course. Mm-hmm. But then we started looking at the goal difference, didn't we? And like the goal difference at the moment, I think there's only a four-goal swing between the two. So that will obviously increase should our goal lose tomorrow night. But there could be a scenario where Argyle and Charlton finish on the same points, same number of goals, same goal difference. Who's going to go up then? I mean... Yeah, we were trying to find out the rules. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll wait to hear back from the EFL on that. I'm one, not but, sure um, if, it, if it's head to head. Both teams have won a game. Argyle have won two one at home against was it two one two nil two Jake Jervis goals wasn't it? Did they score in that game though? I can't remember. It was two one or two nil. I think it was two 0 Anyway, Argyle won that game. It was two 0 up at the Valley, wasn't it? God, that's two all. <laughs> so, so God knows if it comes God to our alphabetical order, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've got no idea. So we, we are looking into that. Yeah, we'll find out. We'll uh, find out and look out for a story on that. Um, that said, though, going to Gillingham last game of the season, if Argyle were to need something, I think that's a really good place to go to. You know, Gillingham look as though they're, well, they are safe now. They've got nothing really well, to play for. Even if Argyle lose against Scunthorpe, they still will be able to catch Charlton. Yeah, Scunthorpe will be out of their sights. But if Argyle, like, like I said, if Argyle get that swing, it, it could still happen. So whatever happens, Argyle will have something to pay for in that game against mm. Gillingham. Um, that will be out of their hands, obviously, and it'll be much tougher. But it's not going to be a dead rubber game. That's no, they just have to go all out for goals, wouldn't they? It'd be like a, a... And, and Charlton don't have an easy last fixture. They're, all, no. I think they're away to Rochdale, and Rochdale will be fighting for their lives. They've played some good football over recent months. Um, 
they played very well against Argyle in the second half particularly. Keith Hills talks well. He's, he seems like a nice guy, former Argyle player. It's not going to be an easy game for them. You know, mm. I, We saw what happened when we went to Northampton, You know how teams that are battling it can, can pull something out of the bag. and um, So it won't be easy for them either, but it'd be nice to go into the game ahead of Scunthorpe, knowing that Scunthorpe Blues and Argyle in that place no matter yeah. what. But there'll be a lot of fans with their face stuck to their mobile phones, I think, on that final day, no matter what the scenario on Tuesday night. Yeah, and who's come to what last day? I can't remember now. I can't, I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> Put you on the spot. Then. Yeah, there's far, far too much to be thinking about. Indeed. I can't remember what game's when. It seems to be never-ending at the moment. Yeah. But, uh, well, there's only a week left to go, so um, when we return for the podcast next week, we'll be reflecting on, on the season as a whole, I guess. It's, it's so, crazy. You know, there's certain, certain games... Like the five 0 defeat to Bristol in the cup seems like years ago. Yeah. But when you think about pre season and them signing some of the players that they signed, it seems, seems like, like yesterday. yesterday. So it's mm. it's been a very bizarre season because the disparity between the start and the finish is why it almost feels like two separate seasons. Yeah. It doesn't feel feel like the same. So yeah, next Monday we'll be know whether we're looking forward to playoffs or whether we're crying. I might be crying into crying into the podcast next yeah. week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. All right, Jack, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. Have a safe trip up to Scunthorpe tomorrow and enjoy the game. Uh, We'll be back again same time next week. We're always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.